Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle Podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Judy. Is this for me? Yeah, it is. It's water. Uh, let's see. I'm Judy, a compulsive overeater. Really grateful to be here. I know a lot of people in this room. I want to um, welcome Rachel for your 30 days. Is it 30 days? That's a miracle. We're all miracles. Um, let's see. I uh, I just want to welcome everybody around the world. You know, this will go around the world. And uh, I have other podcasts that I've done here. And um, to me, it's just so remarkable that we go around the world. You know, we touch people around the world. We support each other around the world. And um, the support I have gotten in OA over the years and the support I have given is really what has me here today. Um, I know I could not do this on my own because I really tried. Um, you know, I, I, I came in, I came in in 1976. I came into the program, um, I moved here from Pennsylvania. I graduated Penn State University. I uh, I decided I would take a geographic and move across the country because my life was going to be different. That was my plan. You know, I looked at my family, and there was a, there were a lot of addictions in my family, and I thought, well, I'll move across the country, and then everything will be different. And so I did. I moved across the country. Mm. Mm. I don't like that thing up there, the water bottle. I moved across the country, and I, I met a man, like, within minutes, and had a little family, and, you know, bought a little place in Manhattan Beach for $54,000. I'm 70 years old, so, you know... <laughs> The economy has changed quite a bit over time. And, you know, I had all these plans. Like, I, I knew exactly how life was going to go. And here I'm a young whippersnapper, and yet I'm in the throes of addictions. You know, I'm also, I'm a 36-stepper. I'm in AA for uh, 39 years in July. And I have 30, 38 years and three months abstinence, continuous abstinence. But I did come in 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 76. I came in a while, a minute ago. But when I came in out here, you know, I I mean, I I just thought, like, I thought in in my my intellect could help me manage my weight. And I just was convinced that my will could manage my weight. And so, you know, I, I mean, I just tried everything. This is what we hear, right? It's like I tried diets. I tried 
starvation. I tried. I would throw up. I was anorexic. I weighed like I don't know forty less pounds. I weighed forty more pounds than I weigh right now. I was anorexic. I was bulimic purge. I was bulimic non-purge. So I had all the different disorders. And what happened to me is one day, one day I had a job. Um, I had a job because we stay away traditions from you know institutions, professions, religions, organizations, and all that. So I make it as vague and neutral as possible. But I got this job, and one day the woman that I had the job was working with, for this woman called me into her little office place. And she said, she said, what are you doing at night? And I thought, oh, my God, she has a look in her eyes that I do not like. And she said, <laughs> she said to me, she said, uh, I, I said, well, uh, I'm, I'm throwing up. <laughs> and she said, she said, if, if you don't get a program and you don't come into the program with me, the chance of, chances of you dying are really, really high. And, and, and that did not get me abstinent, by the way. You know, I wasn't really afraid of death. I didn't really, I, it never really scared me. And I don't believe, for me, fear gets me abstinent. It just didn't. But I went over to Sundowners with her. Uh, there was a meeting over there at Cedar sinai Sundowners back then, and it was a program called How, and uh, it's still around. And, uh, you know, I, I really tried to get abstinent. You know, I just thought, okay, great, I'll do it. You know, I'll figure this out. I'll get it under my belt and get this over with and, and move on with life. And what happened is I started, uh, I was drinking Sautern while I was reading my big book at night. And I would go into a blackout. And so I said to her, I, I wake up the next day after, because I was on, you know, LA trying to lose weight and everything and not gain weight and manage it. And she, and I told her, I'm waking up like in a blackout. You know, I didn't, I can't remember my book. I have all sorts of crap all over it and, excuse me, stuff on it. And <clears throat> so then, you know, it was encouraged, I was encouraged to go get sober as well. Well, so what happened is, you know, my will, the, the reason I really love this step so much is because if you listen to this, it's really like powerlessness, isn't it? That I am spending so much of my time and my energy in body obsession. How do I look? How's my stomach look? What does my ex-husband think of my stomach? Who's looking at my stomach? How big is my stomach? How big is it not my stomach? How big is my stomach? Is it not big? Is it big? Is it not big? Big, big, not big, big, big. On the mirror, in the mirror, on the mirror, in the mirror. Turn around, turn around. Eat, oh, don't eat. Throw up, eat. Don't throw up. You know, insane, insane. I mean, powerless. But I didn't get it. You know, I'm powerless over whatever. My life is unmanageable. Just so unmanageable, right? So unmanageable. Unmanageable. I am powerless over this eating disorder food. My life was unmanageable, but I didn't get it. I just couldn't get the miracle. I thought, I'll figure it out. I got it. I'm smart. I got it. Came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I woke up one day, you know, years and years trying to trying to get it and 
waking up in the morning and swearing off again, and I'm going to do it differently, and this isn't going to be how I do it, and one more time doing it. You know, it was the first bite that got me started, or the first starvation, or the first water pill, or the first bad good idea, because I had so many bad good ideas. You know, I was going to do this, and that would work, and then I would try that. I would come by every so often to the meetings because I was so full of pride and ego, and so I was above you. I was either above you or I was so below you. I was so demoralized or I was so above you. And I would come by every so often to the meetings and I would tell you, I got it. I don't have to come to meetings. Well, guess what? I didn't have it. I just didn't know it. And that's what I think that's so shocking to me. I have a disease of denial that I myself can be in denial about myself. And then that translated to everything and everybody in my life. Like that translated. Everything I did with food, I did with life. I did it with people. I did it with relationships. I did it with money. You name it, I did it. Food was a symbol for me. My relationship with my body and my food was a symbol for me of how I lived my life and all my affairs. Denial. Sometimes denial that people in my life were bad. They weren't good for me. But I couldn't protect myself because I was drowning in food or I was drowning in being starved. You know, when you're starving, like I would starve myself, the cortisol levels are so high. There is no pain. There's no pain. You go beyond pain. No worries, no pain. And the pain I could tolerate was far too great. Far too great to live the life I live today. I would accept the unacceptable. You know, I would break promises to myself. It hurt me. It hurt the people around me. It hurt my family. But I didn't get it. I didn't get it. You know, when I saw that, when I would pick up that food and the obsession would start and the compulsion, and I had no choice but to go after it. I just had no choice. No choice. I can remember how painful it was. You know, the, the situations I'd get into, you know, I'm dating this guy. Oh, he was just like magic, this guy. It took me so much to get him to like me, right? He finally likes me. I met him in Provincetown. Pretty romantic. So he, this guy likes me, right? And he, he comes to my house, you know, for the holidays. And Penn State, he's in Temple. He comes to my house. One of the biggest fights I ever had with a man. My mother made these green cookies. And he ate them all. And we had a blow-up. One of the biggest blow-ups. One of the biggest blow-ups, because he ate all... You just weren't allowed to have those. You just couldn't... He just broke, like, that was the biggest betrayal. I'll never forget, you know, how much we argued. Like, you would have you thought, like, it was like he was a criminal. But that's how my obsession with the food was just so intense, Right? So the first three steps, so I'm powerless. You get the point, right? Even I'm powerless over food. My life's unmanageable. I don't get it. I think I can manage it. You know, come to believe a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it to God, but then I'd take it back because I could not stop picking up that first bite. I couldn't stop it. I just couldn't stop it. 
So, you know, I came back finally in December, a long time ago, 30, what is it, eight years, and December 24th. 1984, uh, my dearest friend, Leslie, told me, you know, I said to her, well, I went back and I, fa- I saw my family and I'm in the program and I would tell everybody I'm in the program, you know, got it, got it, don't go to meetings, though, I don't need them, you know, don't need them. And uh, except for I just, I vomited just a little bit, just a little bit. It's like I, it's like I, if I rub one bank, just, if I robbed just one bank, this past year, I'm a bank robber. I am a bank robber. I am. It does, it counts. But see, to me, right? <laughs> so my dear friend Leslie, that's still my dearest friend, she's coming down here. Yeah, she's coming down next month. Yeah. She said, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're deceiving yourself. You're a liar. You lie, lie, lie. That's a lie, 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 lie. Go to the program. Ah, you know, go to the program. She said, you know, and anyhow, you know, I, so I came. I turned myself in. You know, I turned myself in. What can I say? And what a gift and a miracle, you know, because since that time, what happened to me? I received a miracle. I received it. I see so many people that I love that don't receive it. Now, why did I get it? I have no clue. I was telling Michelle before the meeting, you know, I said to my husband today, he's 39 years sober. I'm giving him a cake tomorrow. I said, why do we get it? Why do we have the miracle? I don't know. And then he said, I have the answer. And I said, could you please let me have a minute to have this reflection without you giving me a tip and an answer? Because he always has the answers for everything. That's my husband. He's really proud of it. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. He always has the answer. It's like I, I'd say, oh, no. No, it's a question. It's not an answer. It's a reflection. Why did I get it? I, I don't know. But here's what I did. This is what I did. I could see it to my innermost self that I am a compulsive overeater, and that my life has become unmanageable. And I have turned my will and my life over to the care of you, the program, God, my higher power. And there you have it. Then there's step four, right? Oh, what an order. I can't go through with it. My sponsor said, you know, do the writing step four. I did it. And then I read it. And she said, oh, I don't think that's quite enough. I think there's a little something more. We need a little bit on your father. And I'm like, oh, we're fine. Let's just not dig in too deep. And uh, so she said, let's do a little work on your father. I did. After I read that fourth step, I got sick because it was so intense. Things that I hadn't really realized, I realized. And I, I literally spiked a fever. I got a fever because my body was getting used to regulating into a different way of being where I could look at what happened, what it affected, what my part is, who it affect, you know, it's like what happened, what does it affect, my, my security. And then also thinking about sometimes when I thought about my part, my part was at times not because I not because anybody was excused, but because I had expectations that were unrealistic, that I had mental illness in my family, that 
that w- contributed to some of the things that happened in, in my life. And then what do I do next? Well, I tell my sponsor, you know, read my fifth step and then six and seven. And this is what I, I love, six and seven. I love it. So meantime, I'm abstinent, right? So I'm abstinent, but my ass- abstinence is changing because in the beginning, like, I didn't throw up. And then eventually I had to give up sugar because it would, it would activate the obsession. You know, I would become obsessed, like, even in the program, like, oh, okay, well, I can, yeah, you know, I just I could see it, what happened to me. is all of a sudden I'd be thinking about it all the time, obsession. And so what happened as time went on, my sponsor would have me through like six and seven and looking at it. Well, let's see, if you're having that and it's making you think about it all the time and you're becoming obsessed, then how if you don't have it? How if you don't have it? How if we see, what it would it be like for you not to have it? How... How if you do that? You know, I was never one to be the recipient of like, you must do this. Not, I, I mean, that's, that's not fun. Okay, if people work out that way, it doesn't work for me. Uh, I'm, I'm not like real rebellious. I really like rules and I like to follow rules and I try my best. But as time went on, my list got like longer and bigger in terms of what I could or couldn't have in terms of taking into my body. And I made a menu. So I have a menu of things that I love, food that I love, meals that I love. Uh, You know, I I have a pretty big family of a bunch of grandkids. I bake and I cook and I don't get triggered. I don't want to eat it because they're normal kids. And, you know, so I mean, I... But for me, I know there are certain things, food substances, that I cannot touch because it's going to activate the obsession and the compulsion. And I'm going to get more, want more. And then what's going to happen is it kind of like a sign for me is when I'm preoccupied with it. That's a sign. Like if I'm thinking about, well, later I'll have this, that's a sign that I'm, I'm, I, it's probably something I ought not have. So I have a relationship with my sponsor. We have an agreement, like if I'm going to add something to my abstinence, I have to call her and talk about it. If I'm going to take something away, I have to call her and talk about it. Eight, nine, and ten, you know, I, I, I did the amends. I've had amends. I had to make amends. I stole food. You know, I would be the one you'd wake up in the morning, oh, we were having a picnic today, and there were scalloped potatoes. Where'd they go? And I'd be like, who knows? But it was me. I was in the refrigerator at night just eating everything, you know, cakes. Remember, you know, I mean, I would just like, and then I would lie about it, you know. No, I didn't eat it. I don't know where it went. I mean, come on, you know. But the amends went even further because I was not present. And I had to make amends to myself, too, because I was in relationships, again, that were not in my best interest necessarily, but if I would eat over it, I, would, I could endure. So there were a lot of amends to myself. I love the steps. I stay in the steps. I work the steps with my sponsor. I sponsor women. We work the steps. And 11, you know, prayer and meditation, I get up in the morning. Here's what I do. I get up in the morning. First thing I do is I put on my tea or coffee water. I do it backwards. Somebody told me, you're doing this backwards. They said it was wrong, but that, that's how they did it, not necessarily how I do it. So but just red flag in it. I do it wrong. So <laughs> I get up in the morning, put it on. I sit down, and I meditate. 
And I sit there for about, you know, I, I got some meditation lessons earlier on in, in abstinence. And uh, I sit there for like mm, 5, 10, 20 minutes, and I let God talk to me. I listen. I'm like, okay, go ahead. Have at it. And then I get down on my knees, and I say a little prayer. And then I kiss my dog, Georg. Yes, he's from The Sound of Music, Georg. That's his name. Georg and Heidi. I kiss Heidi and I kiss Georg. And if my family members are there, I kiss them. And then, make my coffee, I go out into the backyard. And all of a sudden, all those thoughts I had when I woke up, because I wake up with this disease every day. Every day I get up. What's the point? What is the point? What are you going to do today? Because what's the point? <laughs> you know, I mean, what's the point? I mean, what a, what a ridiculous question. What's the point? Just get up, go meditate, go out in the backyard. All of a sudden, I'm so happy. La, 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 singing through the daisies. All of a sudden, you know, because I'm planting grass and dogs are running around like lunatics. I have these parrots. We have, <coughs> excuse me, parrots. They're wild parrots up in this tree. I've lived in this house for 31 years now. These wild parrots, okay, so the blackbirds come in, hoo hoo, or some kind of bird. I don't want to give them a bad rap, but there's some bird that comes in all the time in the morning, gets these other parrots. There's all this commotion, screaming and yelling. For years and years, I'm all like in the backyard. I'm, I should do something about this. I don't know what, you know, hurt an animal, throw a rock. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't do any of that. That's all bad. You don't hurt animals. That's not good. But I'm back there, right, like this. And then I thought, this has gone on for like 30 years. They're still there. It's all working out. You know, I mean, just that kind of six and seven to me, the defects of character and humbling ask God to remove them. To me, that's so beautiful in the program that I get to... You know, 12, carry the message. Go tell people, my experience, strength, and hope. People say, well, you know, you're, I want to hear something like a little more, I don't know. Give this a, a twist of some sort. And I'm like, I don't, have, I don't have a twist. I have my experience, strength, and hope. That's all I have. Nothing more, nothing less. And sometimes I've been fired as a sponsor. Well, that's not sufficient. And I'm like... <laughs> So I got my experience, strength, and hope, and if I don't have it, I'll send you to somebody else, but I don't, you know, that's all I have. Six and seven. I love six and seven because every day, every day, I go to the gym. First of all, I dance like three times a week. Usually, I dance. How do I look? Like a 70-year-old dancing. I do not look 20. I don't. I, I'm kind of stiff, you know, but I'm doing it, and I'm going to stick with it. Sometimes I go dance with really young people, and they're very merciful with me. Um, you know, I push myself out of the door. Here's a defective character, right? I have, I can never remember ever, ever, ever going to the gym like, this is really great. I'm going to the gym. I'm like putting a baby in a car seat. Get to the gym, Judy. Go. <laughs> I'm always late today. I was four minutes late. I was so proud of myself. I turned over a new leaf. Usually I'm a half an hour. The teacher shames me. He always like, oh, you know. Mm. I think I'm here. Listen, if I'm here, that's a miracle. If I show up, that is a miracle. And then I give myself credit. I give myself credit. You showed up. 
You did it. You're here. You showed up. Isn't that a miracle? You showed up. Because it's like meetings, right? I've had a commitment, basically, since I got abstinent. I started new meetings. If I needed a meeting and there wasn't a meeting around, I started a new one. It's really easy. Two or more gathered together, right? Just start it. Just start a meeting, and here we have it. And some of these meetings are going on and on. But my defects of character, right? I don't want to do it. It's like, and no, I don't. I don't want to go. And then, like, I go to the gym, and hmm, I look at people. I used to look at the older people, right? Why are they just moving their hands? Well, now I know, because that's all I can move. <laughs> you know? What happened to the bottom half? Guess what? It gets really stiff. You know? <laughs> Excuse me. So many things I have judged I become. Like one time I had a job, right, and this lady wore wedgies all the time. Now, wedgies have been in, but this lady, I'm like, I will never wear wedgies. I just wear spike heels because I used to wear these big... Spike heels. I can still wear heels, by the way, which really makes me happy, but that's not going to last long. So I used to judge this woman I worked with, you know. Why do you wear these wedgies? I don't like your wedgies. I'm judging her wedgies every day. She brings me a pair of wedgies. You should try wedgies. I put these wedgies on. These wedgies were so comfortable. (laughs) You know, humility and compassion, right? And if I'm working six and seven on a daily basis, if I have any resentment... I guarantee me, 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 not you, my resentment will go away. Sometimes people in meetings think they're authority figures. They always have an idea. I know. Let's make a vote. Let's change this. Let's change that. I have an idea. How do I think about that? I can either be really mad at that person or I can think about that person must really love the program. They must really love the program to always want to give a tip, always want to change it up. But then the beautiful thing is we have the traditions, right, and the concepts. And so can only go so far, can only go so far because it is the group that makes the decision. We're autonomous. We're self-supportive through our own contributions. That was a big one for me. You know, I, I wanted to get, get it going. Come on, like, let's get some wealth going on here. I just want wealth. Let's see. Let's do it. Come on. How do I do it? I asked that question once at a meeting when I was early on. I'm like, <laughs> the guy shamed me publicly. I was really upset. <laughs> he said, I told him I wanted to, you know, I was brand new. Start a business and get this thing going fast. How did you do it? And he said, well, first of all, you've got to wake up from your dream. Ha! Huh! I thought, oh, that's terrible. Well, guess what? Why don't you show up to go to work every day? 